Welcome to the Clinical Podcast Series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation and our primary optometric care channel. Today's episode is entitled Subretinal Drusenoid Deposits are Strongly Associated with Coexistent High-Risk Vascular Diseases. I'd like to thank our host, Dr. Mile Brujic, our topical editor, Dr. Chelsea Bradley, and our topical expert, Dr. Brittany Brady. And now it's my pleasure to begin today's podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Mila Brujic, and I'd like to welcome you all to this episode of the American Academy Optometric Foundation um, podcast series. Today, I'm joined with Dr. Brittany Brady. Um, Dr. Brady, please share a little bit with the audience about your background. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am an assistant professor of optometry at the Illinois College of Optometry. I'm also a 2018 graduate of ICO and also completed a ocular disease residency at ICO. Congratulations. Um, I think I think you are ideally um, set for discussing the paper that we're going to be talking about, which is subretinal drusenoid deposits are strongly associated with coexistent high-risk vascular diseases. Now, first and foremost, Brittany, can you do us a huge favor? Because now we're starting to differentiate drusen from drusen to these subretinal drusenoid deposits. Help us understand what the similarities and differences are between those two. Yeah, great question. So I think most of us, when we think of AMD, we automatically think drusen. That's like the kind of key term there. So these subretinal drusenoid deposits are a little bit different in terms of where they're located on our OCT scan. So we're going to see them above the level of the RPE versus our drusen are below. So that's a big difference um, clinically. And then additionally, it's been shown that these subretinal drusenoid deposits have a higher risk of progression um, to more advanced stage AMD, wet AMD, things like that compared to just drusen alone. Um, and that's kind of the focus of this article. So it's interesting, like when we, when we look at um, the OCT scans again, you did such a good job and it seems so basic, but until we were first exposed to this, we didn't realize there were these differences. Um, can you detect this on a fundus photo or do you really need that OCT to see the differences between just standard drusen or these subretinal drusenoid deposits? Great question. You actually can't typically see these subretinal drusenoid deposits on um, normal fundus photography, which has been kind of the limitation of some previous studies and um, things that may have kind of missed this. Um, so things like our OCT and um, really our OCT is the best way to kind of pick these up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so give us a summary of the study. Like what were they looking at here with these subretinal drusenoid deposits and what did they find in terms of some of these high-risk vascular diseases? Yeah, so what they were really looking for was patients with intermediate AMD, um, whether they had the subretinal drusenoid deposits uh, isolated from drusen alone, so they could have had it with or without, um, and to see if these subretinal drusenoid deposits put these patients at a higher risk for um, morbidity and mortality associated with these specific high-risk vascular diseases that the authors kind of coined that term. It's like a specific subset of diseases. So it's things such as congestive heart failure, coronary artery bypass grafting, that's yeah. where I was trying to yeah. get to, myocardial infarction, and then additionally things like stroke or TIAs. So yeah. those specific subsets put patients at higher risk if they have these subretinal drusenoid deposits. So, so it's it's amazing because the these subretinal drusenoid deposits then 
like when we're seeing these patients, we know immediately that if we see these, they're in a higher risk category. Am, am I kind of stating that correctly to you, the way that you understand? Definitely. It? Yep. That's totally correct. It's interesting because even to like, so after I read this paper, um, I started looking at patients differently. I actually communicated with a few of the GPs just to say, hey, these are just a few things that you want to be just on a little bit of a higher alert on. This is a new paper. This is new data that we're looking at. And just so you're aware, we're actually seeing this in the retina. So I, I do think it's going to change the way that we care for these patients and the way that we communicate with their general physicians. Um, is there anything else that you're kind of seeing where it's going to kind of shift or change um, in terms of what we're doing with these patients or how we're communicating with other physicians? Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway for me from this paper was how it can change our management as well as maybe like the primary care management. So if we're seeing patients with AMD and we're seeing these subretinal drusenone deposits, we should be asking them pointed questions about their cardiovascular and neurovascular health. Um, and if they have these conditions, we should be in contact with their primary care physician. And if similarly, if they say they don't have any known conditions, we should also be in contact and say, hey, based on this study, they are at higher risk. Um, and I also think it's going to hopefully change the way the primary cares are managing. And if these patients have those specific high-risk vascular diseases, maybe they'll send them and say, hey, they should be evaluated because potentially they have undiagnosed AMD. Brittany, do you, uh, like when you see these subretinal drusenoid deposits, again, this seems to be like the big thing now in the retina world. Every single paper that I see about anything associated with AMD is starting to bring these things up. Do you personally manage these patients any differently than if you see standard soft drusen in these individuals or intermediate drusen in these patients? It's a great question. Up until this point, I really haven't, but I think looking at this paper, it might be something you might want to watch a little bit more closely now that we know from previous studies as well, that these subretinal drusenoid deposits have that higher risk of progression to more advanced stage or wet AMD. So I think these patients could maybe warrant a little bit closer follow-up or um, just a little tighter leash. If there's one nugget that you can kind of leave our colleagues with just kind of after going over this paper, I, I know there's a lot in there, but if there's one nugget that you could just say, this is one of the things that I think are the most important takeaways from this paper, what, what would that be? I think looking really closely at your OCT to you know, differentiate, do they just have drusen? Do they have these subretinal drusenoid deposits uh, or are they in combination? And then from that kind of, you know, determining how closely you want to watch them and, you know, how regularly you want to be in contact with their other physicians. In 2002, I graduated optometry school and I remember learning the different layers of the retina for the board exam. And I remember thinking, that's great. I just learned something that I'll never have to use again. Lo and behold, the OCT has given us insights where we truly do have to now not only know, but understand the different layers of the OCT and where things are located. And it's still remarkable to me that we have the insights that we do right now with some of our more advanced OCTs. It's Brittany, pretty incredible. Um, it is. And, and your insights into this paper have been um treasured here. Again, I think this is an important paper, and I think this just emulates how important we as optometry are becoming in the general healthcare community. Thank, thank you, Brittany, for your time today. I truly appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was very fun. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of the American Academy of Optometry Foundation's podcast series. And a special thanks to Cooper Vision for their educational grant to make it all happen. Thank you.